Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know when you're sniffly and you can't breathe through your nose, so you breathe just through your mouth? This show's like that. It's like breathing through your mouth and then tasting the world on your tongue and then closing your mouth and then swallowing the goodness of the world and then um, not choking and then being at one with the universe. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Porter. start by telling you a story about something that happened to me on public transport, which is quite common Mm. on this podcast. So the other day, I had to go to a meeting across the other side of London. Okay. The same day, my wife decided to take my son to the transport museum. Okay. And essentially, those two things are different stages of the same journey. Right. So we agreed that we would travel together and my wife and son would alight at the stop for the transport museum on the London Underground, and then I would continue on to my meeting. Right. So we we get on the train, and uh, there are two seats free, so I take my son over to sit on these seats. Sarah wants to just get a bit of peace and quiet away from him, because <laughs> she's got a full day right. looming around uh, buses and trains and so on. So I go sit down with him, and... He is being at his most charming. He's beaming at the other passengers. He's babbling in a very cute way. I mean, I know that I'm biased because I'm biologically programmed to be biased, but he is the star of the carriage. People are looking at him. Eventually, the seat next to me comes free and Sarah comes and sits down in it, but she's, she's checked out. She's looking at a phone or a book or whatever. Meanwhile, the lady next to me... Mm who my son has been interacting with quite a lot at this point, and she really likes him, she goes into her bag and she gets out a lollipop. Oh. Not an ice lolly. Right. A l- yeah, little yeah. hard, sweet <laughs> yeah, yeah. lolly. Yeah. <laughs> it would be weird if she had a, a freezer bag. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all assumed otherwise, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he is on cloud nine. He's eating this lollipop. Um, Sarah leans over and she whispers into, into my ear. She goes, you don't think I'm being paranoid, do you? But... What if she's a weird serial killer and she's poisoned that lot? Oh. Which I don't I say I don't think that's a thing. I think you should not yeah. uh, be so mistrustful of your fellow human beings. And sure enough, it wasn't a poison lolly and my, my son's health is fine, mm. just for anybody who sides with my wife in that situation. So anyway, so we have this very kind of charming experience. And then when when it when it gets to the time that they need to get off the train, I get up out of my seat and it's quite a crowded train and go down and help them out with the pram. 
And as uh, he's going, they're all waving goodbye to him and he's waving bye-bye and it's a very cute moment. I then help them off the pram and then get back onto the train. And somehow in the process, I end up with this lollipop still in my hand. Oh. So I, I all of a sudden look like Kojak, <laughs> like an adult with a child's lolly. Yeah, yeah. But, but that aside, then... Um, I'm back on the train. Everybody thought that we'd got off as a family, but all of a sudden, there I am. It's mm. like, oh, look, there's the dad with the lolly yeah, yeah. and the mum and the, the kid have gone again now. So um, so I go and sit back down and then people are like, oh, you ditched your family, have you? Or is it all getting a bit much for you? And it's one of those rare occasions on the London Underground where there's a little bit of bonhomie oh. in the carriage because of what had previously happened. Yeah. But it soon dies down and I soon you know, go back to just sitting there staring at this lollipop waiting to to get off now something you've mentioned before is there is a mindset you get into as a londoner where when a train is pulling into the station you have to leave it until the last possible minute to stand up yeah because otherwise you look like an amateur yeah yeah you don't, you don't look professional at all yeah <laughs> professional yeah. you don't look professional yeah. you don't be professional londoner right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so and and part of what goes with that is you know you're you're jaded enough to stay in your seat until right at the the second before the doors open yeah which as we're pulling into the station i decide i'm going to do this i'm going to wait the announcer comes on and says the next station is and i've forgotten even where i got off but it's not relevant to the story mm. The lady next to me isn't as professional as I am, so she stands mm. up, the one who'd given us the lollipop in the oh, first place. Mm. She stands up to get off the train, and as she do so, does so, she says, uh, oh, um, well, have a nice day. Oh. And I say, oh, you have a nice day as well. Thanks oh, for the lolly. coming, yeah, yeah. So then I find myself in a weird oh. situation where we've said goodbye. Mm. and she. So what do I do at this point? Oh, God. Like, so one option is to stay on an extra stop so that the goodbye doesn't seem weird. But be late for your meeting. But be late for my meeting, which yeah. I'm not willing to do. So what I decide to do is get off a different door. So she's got off the doors at the middle of the carriage. Mm. I think I'll go the other way and get out the doors at the end of the carriage. So you're behind her. So as you're I'm behind on the platform, her. Yeah. So then she gets off the train, thinking I'm still on there, and we've said our goodbye. Yeah. And I get off a different door, and I'm behind her. Yeah. But in in the in the throng of people heading for the escalator, I somehow catch up with her. You look like a weirdo. I look like I was stalking her. You look like a total weirdo. Yeah. Have you still got the lollipop? Yes, I have. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now yeah. you're the serial yeah. killer. So then I really speed off in front oh. because who would be stalking somebody from in front? <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Um, so I gave myself a stitch oh. <laughs> from walking too fast, but it was oh. worth it to not look like a weirdo stalker. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift with you. Which is saying something about you. Please share your story of social ineptitude with us. You can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. This is from Tracy. Years ago, when I tempt, but really didn't get paid that much, I worked for a few weeks near Selfridges. I went in there a lot, daydreaming about being a millionaire and being able to do my weekly shop there. So one lunchtime, I went in and all of a sudden, I spied some Oreo cookies. Now, this is so long ago that I'd only ever seen Oreos on the telly. I have (laughs) to have them, I thought. And not only were they Oreos, but they were a three-row pack of caramel and cream Oreos, the most luxurious of all. So I picked up a packet and then picked up a bottle of Evian, fancy, and went to the checkout. 
Lots of clearly rich people were around me with their full baskets of foie gras and champagne. And I felt one of them buying food in Selfridge's food hall. <laughs> it was payday, so I handed over a £20 note to pay for my shopping, picked up the classy Selfridge's bag and packed away my shopping, put my hand out for my receipt and my change. And as I closed my hand around it, I felt my face go red and my bowels turn to water. Uh. I smiled and said, thank you, and walked around the corner. I looked into my hand. Three pounds and 16 what? pence. I went back to the Oreo shelf. In my excitement, I hadn't looked at the price ticket. 15 pounds and 99 what? pence. I went back to the cash dish and said to the cashier, I'm so sorry. I thought these were cheaper than they are and I really can't afford them. Can I please have a refund? Of course I didn't. I walked out of the shop and I went back to work and I put them in my drawer and very slowly ate one a day for the next four weeks. Oh, that must be so heartbreaking, especially given the price of what Oreos are now because we now yes, have them in this country. Yes. But there is a weird thing where sort of very ordinary American, th- I'm not saying they're ordinary in taste or anything, but, you know, just everyday American things come over here. Mm. And when they first arrive, they're treated like they're delicacies. Yes. I remember when Krispy Kreme <laughs> yes, donuts first yes. came over here, you could only buy them in Harrods. <laughs> I think I went on a special trip there once to get them. (laughs) So ridiculous. Get them in Tesco's now. I know, I know. Okay, this is from Dean. He says, I have a story for Mentwell. One day I was travelling back from central London to my home further down the central line. I was there minding my own business. The carriage was gradually getting more and more full until I was sat on a seat with an empty seat to my left and another to my right. We arrive at the next station and two Asian ladies get on the train through the same doors carrying similar bags. One lady sat to my left and the other to my right. Being the gentleman I tried to be, I thought I'm going to be nice and offer my seat to one of those ladies so they could sit together. So I turned to one of the ladies and say, would you like to have my seat so you can both sit together? Sorry, she said, not understanding what I was trying to say. So I said again, would you like to sit in my seat so you and this lady, turned to the other lady, can sit together? After what seemed like a whole minute's pause, she said, um, we actually don't know each other. Cue a shiver down my spine and beads of sweat forming on my forehead. I let out what can only be described as a mixture of a sigh and a raspberry. (laughs) (laughs) And then say, oh yeah, that's fine. Like, why should you know each other? And then go off on a trail of gibberish as I overhear sniggering from other people in the vicinity. My train is now four stops away, but I decide to get up, grab my bags and bid farewell to both of these ladies and say, nice to meet you both and head straight for the train exit. I don't think I've ever been so embarrassed in all my life. And now I never offer my seat to anyone, no matter how much of an arse I look. Dean, that is an excruciating story. I mean... Like to some extent, I think you've learned your lesson. I think he, I think he has. It. He has. But, he's learned his lesson. But, I mean, th- th- despite how wrong-headed it was, there really was this element of only trying to do the right thing. Oh, you meant your well. brain had made a connection. Yeah, yeah. That just. <laughs> can you imagine though? I mean, can can you imagine? You know, uh, for for example, if you were away somewhere. 
where just sort of by being a white European person wasn't the norm. Mm. And two of you got on a train. Yeah. And then, I mean, and then somebody said, oh, would you two like to sit together? It reminds me of when I was a little boy. Sometimes like, we'd go on a day trip or like go to the leisure centre and, and my mum would say things like, oh, look, there's another little boy your age. Why oh. don't you two play together? Yeah. That's because we don't know each other. <laughs> We've got nothing in common. He probably won't like me. Oh. It'll be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dean, I, I, you were you were trying to do a nice thing, yeah, yeah, but it was wrong headed. Poor Dean. Poor Dean. Okay, let's move on to Glenn. This is from Glenn. <laughs> I consider myself socially adequate on the whole. However, there have been a few major blips in the last year or so where I've really put my foot in it. My wife and I both work at the same company and last year, throughout my wife's pregnancy, people mistakenly thought that I would be able to answer any questions about said pregnancy and that I'd be happy to discuss topics I hadn't even heard of, which often resulted in me making a fool of myself by trying to make out I'm a modern man who understands the dark powers at work in a woman when she's cooking up a baby. The worst one by far, though, still hangs on a thread above me like the sword of Damocles, threatening to destroy any wisp of idea that I'm a fully functioning adult. I'll paint the scene. I have been asked to arrange and host a training session for approximately 35 employees, mostly women. This was the Monday after my wife had left our place of work for maternity leave. The delegates were all familiar and friendly with my wife and were itching to know how she was. Was there any baby yet, etc.? I filled all the questions expertly and feel proud of myself. Then Jeanette from Accounts, I've never liked her, (laughs) asked above the noise... Has Ariane, my wife, decided what type of birth she will have? I pause and smile, trying to figure out how many types of birth there could possibly be. In the meantime, the rest of the room have all stopped and turned to hear my answer. This must be important. I decide, after thinking on it, there are only two exits available to my son from the womb. One, the normal way out, out of the lady garden, snigger. Two, C-section. I know my wife isn't having a C-section, so I found my answer. I proudly respond, much louder than intended, vaginal. (laughs) Apparently that is not a normal response to that question. I still don't know what is. The second was whilst my wife was in labour and I managed to sound racist. I'm not. We were sitting on the ward and a few midwives were in the room fussing over my wife. One was trying her hardest to stop me having a panic attack by talking about the baby. Sort of things like, what names have we chosen? I couldn't quite focus and my mind had wandered and unbeknownst to me, the midwife had changed the subject to start talking about the nursery and the fact that I hadn't finished decorating. So being that I'm still on the subject of the baby, I was confused when she asked, what colour is it going to be? I looked at my hands, white. I looked at my wife, also white. I looked at the midwife trying to figure out if she was being serious. I responded, well, white, I hope. Trying my best not to sound racist. There's nothing wrong with not being white. I'd just rather not find out my wife was having an affair while I I was handed a baby that obviously isn't mine. Uh, if you have a story of um, uh, social ineptitude that you would like to share with us, we would love to hear it. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Please join me in this bubble that has been forever locked in the glass by the blower. It's, it's their breath. It's horrible. Adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Annabelle. Yes. What story have you prepared for our enjoyment this week? Well, I think one thing we can all agree on is that I am brilliant at impressions. Like I've got a real natural ability to mimic another voice. Like, Jeff, who's this? This lady's not for turning. It's Margaret Thatcher. She could not stir. 
it's Sean Connery as James Bond. E rat fans. Roland Rat. You guessed it right. Yeah, First I know. time. You're so Every good time. At it. You're so good at I'm it. I'm amazing at them. And my accents, I'm so good at accents. I mean, unfortunately, I can only do one accent, which is an exaggerated version of my own. I'm from Essex, so I can do an okay Essex accent and anything from around there, like Estuary accent, East London accent. That is it. It's also the accent of my next door neighbour. We'll call her Laura. I should say here, I'm sorry, I know a lot of my stories involve my neighbours, but I very rarely leave the house. So a lot of my human contact (laughs) is with my neighbours. So it's a family next door. They're lovely. They've got lovely kids, lovely dad. Let's call him Ricky. Really lovely mum, Laura. I'd say she's funny, she's clever, successful, very attractive. And most of all, she's really warm and kind and friendly. Uh, She's from the East End, and I think she grew up somewhere around Bethnal Green, but she's now living in what I like to call East London, but has been called West Essex. (laughs) It was her who said to me when I first moved in that she'd had some friends staying, but they'd gone into London for the day. And I was horrified as I thought I was in London. I've I've got an 0208 number, which I'm very defensive about, even though like I haven't got a landline and haven't done for 10 years. (laughs) Anyway... She's got an accent that's a bit more Essex, East London than mine, which is the one accent that I can do because it's very similar to mine. I can't do my upstairs neighbour's accent because he's got a very strong Greek accent. I would never attempt to do that. And when he speaks to me, which is quite a lot, I would say that I understand about one word in every 20. (laughs) I just get the general gist of what he's saying and hope that I respond appropriately. He is a whole other story for another day. Okay. <laughs> and it's not just me that can't understand him. I overheard him say something to my boyfriend at the weekend and he was speaking to him for a good 30 seconds and the only word I caught was food. And I heard Tom say a very unsure, okay, thank you. And then he ran into the house and he told me he hadn't understood a single word and he just hoped that thank you was the right response. <laughs> and the girl, the woman next door, the mum, Laura... I know that she can't comprehend him either, because, but she takes a completely different approach because she said to me one day, I can't understand a bloody word he says. When he speaks to me, I say, Dimitri, I can't understand you. I'll go and get Ricky. I kind of love it that she speaks to him like he also can't understand her when he's lived in this country for 40 years. And then she goes and gets her husband and makes him deal with the situation. And I've always found this very funny. And whenever I've spoken about my neighbours to other people, I've often told this story complete Mm. with a full accent. So I'm telling this story a lot and I like doing the accent as I can do the accent. (laughs) So next door, they have barbecues a lot and they always invite us. And at one recently, Laura was saying something to me about Dimitri again and about how she can't understand him. And I don't know what I was thinking of, but I went, oh, yeah, Dimitri, I can't understand you. I'll go and get Ricky. (laughs) How drunk were you? I wasn't drunk. For a reason that I could think about until the end of time and never <laughs> uncover, I did an impression of her to her and she stared back at me for a second and then she said very quietly, was oh, that what I sound like? Oh no, oh no. And I said, this is the worst oh, bit. Oh, no. I said, no, that was just my voice. I tried to make <laughs> out it wasn't an impression of her and that was just how I spoke too, even though she's heard me speak a thousand times before. Because she's amazing, though, she just brushed it off and changed the subject and it was all fine. But I believe that this trauma has truly hampered my career as an impressionist. (laughs) I'll be back. Who's that? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wasted talent. Now that you're listening, it's happening. Do you know it? Do you like it? When will you be here in the future? I will be here in the future. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port.
It's the part of the podcast where we ask you not to be a freeloader and support us on Patreon. So that freeloader isn't my word. It's a little reference to something that came up in last week's <laughs> podcast, in case you think I was being unnecessarily harsh. Anyway, um, we, we, we're trying to come up with some new rewards, given that the Partners podcast is, is going to be a bit delayed. And we sort of hit on this idea last week of some kind of recipe book or mm. meal plan or, or something based on our own diets. Mm. Um, Annabelle, you, you have had a brand new culinary experience this week <gasps> that you were raving about when you arrived today i've done something that i i think that only the upper classes do and i and i've done it and i feel i'm now part of them and i feel like i understand them and live in their world i ate a crisp with a fork firstly did the crisp not shatter when you pierced it with the fork oh no i scooped it up like you would a spoon i, I, I didn't try and I mean, that sounds uncouth <laughs> to me what i felt so posh no, I just, yeah, no, you wouldn't be able to pierce it. Because rich people do, or posh people, I should say, don't shovel things into the mouth on a fork like the rest of us. Oh. You only ever use the the uh, the other side of the fork, don't you? What? What do you mean? So if you think about a fork, you can either use it like a spoon. Yeah. Or you can kind of use it again as um, like a thing that you shovel things against with your uh, knife. Oh. Uh, or, or I think when you see posh people eating, they never, you, they're never using a fork like a, a ladle. What? I just didn't know this. I could, be, I could be wrong. I mean, if there are any etiquette experts from Debrett's listening mm, to this, if you mm. want to put us straight on it. Mm. But tell me more about what, what, why were you using a fork to eat a crisp? Oh, well, the situation was that Tom had made a sort of buffet-style lunch. A buffet? A buffet-style lunch. Did he lay out a trestle table? <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a was table cloth. Was this just for the two of you? The, well, yeah, so basically he'd done a little bowl of um, pasta, like plain pasta with some pesto on it. Mm-hmm. Then there was a plate with a little bit of hummus, a little bit of guacamole, some mm. carrot sticks, a small salad wow. and some crisps. And it was sort of laid out this to kind of help lavish. yourself. This is lav- I mean, yeah, it's nice. people have listened to this podcast for some time and they've worried about you being in a slightly off relationship after hearing <laughs> the spitting in the bath story. Oh, right, yeah. They're, you know, hopefully this will put their minds yeah, This will balance it out, yeah. I hope, yeah. And so I was, and I had a fork. Can I just ask a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Tom has all this time to be laying on a lovely spread, <laughs> like why has he not got time to do the Partners podcast? It's a good question that I'll put to him. Do you do that? Yeah, yeah. So, so is he? I take it like he's too busy to play his five-a-side football games as well. Um, well, it's not the season for playing football. Okay, damn, yeah. I thought I'd caught him on that. Yeah, another. yeah. I mean, there's plenty of time to be watching the World Cup if you wanted to ask that question. Oh, okay, let me let me ask this question. Mm. Has he watched any, or did he, when it was the World Cup, did he watch any games which weren't England games? He watched every single game. So he's watching, I, I don't know, like the People's Republic of somewhere or other versus... You didn't watch the World Cup, did you? <laughs> 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 yeah, no, he, he watched every game. Okay, mm. this is interesting He's got information. time for that. Yeah. yeah. And presumably like, there would be time when he'd, he'd cleared enough of his diary to uh, to compensate if it had gone into extra time yeah. or penalties or whatever. And he could have, you know, then there were games where that didn't happen. He could have dashed over here yeah. and done the Partners podcast. I think we're, we're, we're starting to realise something here, aren't we? We have a lack of commitment yeah. to this Partners podcast yeah. coming from your lover, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's being sorted out then. Anyway, so so you've got this buffet-style yeah, lunch. lunch. Yeah, having it outside. And so I had a fork to, to eat this pasta and the salad. I was doing the carrots and the dips mm. by hand. And then I saw the... Cri- so you're using the left hand for the fork and then you're using the right hand for, for, the, for the dips <laughs> and crudités. Well, I wasn't like shoveling things in with both hands. I was like <laughs> one, one thing at a time. <laughs> right. 
And then I saw a crisp on the plate and I went to go and pick it up my hand. And then I looked down at my other hand and I saw a, a, the fork in it and I thought, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try something new here. <sighs> I think this is what a very posh person would do. And I gently scooped up the crisp with a fork placed it in my mouth and I've never felt more genteel. Really? I've never felt more genteel. Yeah. If you're ever invited to a garden party at Buckingham Palace. Oh, I'm going to fit right in. You really are. <laughs> Will yeah. you be doing it from now on? I think, I think I'm think i only going to be Chris with a fork from now on, yeah. Would you go as far as to buy yourself a bag of crisps, empty them on a plate and eat them with a fork? Why not? Why, why not? Well, I mean, this, this could... This could start a thing. I think that's an episode of Seinfeld, maybe, where... Oh, I can't remember my memory so bad. I think Elaine sees somebody eating a Snickers with a knife and fork. Oh. Or dates somebody, and, and then it becomes a thing because somebody else sees them doing it. Maybe by just virtue of you mentioning this on the podcast. Well, sometimes when you're eating crisps, you might find that you get a lot of the, the crisp residue on your fingers. So then you have to, like, lick your fingers. But sometimes I think, oh, how clean is my hand? Because what I think in that situation, especially mm. if I'm in company, is I yeah. think, what a lovely erotic treat for anybody nearby <laughs> who gets me to see me eat, what did you call it, crisp residue? <laughs> yeah, off the fingers. Off, the, off my fingers. Right, OK, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, I mean, we could include this in the adrift meal plan. Mm. Meal plan? <laughs> We're doing a, it's a meal plan, okay. <laughs> okay, we're doing the Adrift meal plan. Um, we'll, we'll keep working on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so support us on Patreon and you'll get access to this <laughs> wonderful blueprint for life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think the Partners podcast was a better sale, I'll be honest. Yeah, well, I think it was too. Oh, but, but it's still it, happening. It, still, it, right. God, but it's got to now. People have signed up for yeah, it. Yeah. So you've got to do it. Um Patreon.com stroke adrift. That's Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com stroke adrift. Lasers. This is Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. I'm a DJ. Well, I've got a bit of a situation on my hands. Oh, yeah. We have a, a babysitter called Kira who is just brilliant. She's, she's fantastic. Jean loves her. Um, and we got to know her because she's the sister of my next door neighbor, Fidelma. Mm hmm. So she's babysat for Jean a few times and she's just wonderful with him. Anyways, the other day I had some work to do and Sarah was out working. So we employed Kira to come over for a few hours while I worked. And it is weird because I'm working in the house. Mm. So it's it's that strange thing, like if you've ever had a cleaner, if you've got the cleaner in the house cleaning while you're in there, you sort of feel bad for being in there and uncomfortable and you minimise interaction. And it was a bit like that with Kira the other day. So she came over to look after Jean and I went up into the box room. It was a hot day, so I had the window open and did some work. And what I could hear happened was she thought, oh, I'll take him next door to interact with my sister and her kids. Mm. And, and they're great. Our next door neighbours are just brilliant. Fidelma and Chris and uh, and their two kids. I, I do know the kids' names, but I think it would be weird to say it on the podcast because okay. it feels like an invasion of privacy yeah, yeah. for under 18-year-olds. I just don't want to sound like I don't know the names. Oh, okay. Often I don't know people's kids' names. It's The amount of time when I'm seeing people socially who have children and I have to go on Facebook and scroll through their old posts to remind oh, myself what the oh, names really? of their children right. are. It's very embarrassing. Anyway. So I'm sitting in our box room, working away, windows open. I can hear my son is next door with the next door neighbours and their kids. Mm. I then hear my next door neighbour, Chris, playing with Gene. And Gene is enjoying it so much. And he is laughing and laughing and laughing. 
Mm. And like Chris is doing funny voices and he's, I can't see what he's doing. I can only hear it, but he's playing games with him. And I've never heard Gene laugh so much oh. in his life. Well, you say, oh, oh, but I now feel as if my son <laughs> thinks another man is funnier than I am. He doesn't, he thinks, yeah, he's better. He's better at being funny than you. Yes. You're less funny. Yeah. And this is eating away at that, me. I had to admit that's going to hurt. Because I'm his dad. Yeah. And I, I just think it's more of a case that Gene doesn't appreciate my sardonic sense of humour <laughs> about my various neuroses and social, <laughs> <laughs> social mores. But um, so, I mean, what do you do about this when your child thinks somebody else is funnier than you are? I find out in this week's The Incident. <laughs> Tim Dowling is a humorist. I enjoy reading about his family dynamics in The Guardian magazine every Saturday. I felt pretty confident that he would be able to offer some wisdom. What about your neighbour? Is your neighbour... Is he funny? Well, I mean, I, I, I find him funny. I enjoy his conversation. But I feel what he was getting up to with my son was really very broad. You know, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was funny well, voices, very physical, yeah. the humour, very sort of slapsticky. I mean, it's very, very rewarding when your children laugh at your jokes, no matter how broad they are. And I think, you know, you, 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 you might be being a bit sniffy about this. I mean, have, have you tried, like, pretending to cause yourself harm? That sort um, of thing? I don't. I don't feel it's my my gift that kind of physical comment. I mean, I can. I do a lot of self sabotaging, but he doesn't tend to pick up on that as a two year old. <laughs> no, no. I think that you've got to, you know, keep it simple. I mean, if you, you know, just put on a boxing glove and punch yourself in the face. Right. That's what they like. Right. Right. Later on, it gets more complicated. But up until that, it's some people are good at it as well. You have to accept that some people have that gift. I had a friend of mine who just did this one thing at a lunch party once when we're uh, sort of a big party on the lawn on a sunny summer day. I think it was a christening or something. And he suddenly gathered all the little children around him. He said, come here, all the children, all the children. And they were all the children in that in those days. They were like between the ages of three and seven. And he got them all surrounding him, staring up into at his face. And when they're all quiet looking up at him, he said, who wants coffee? And it brought the house down. They went, they started falling about laughing. They, they said, we don't drink coffee. And he just <laughs> kept going. He said, who takes it? How do you take it? You know, and, and they just went, they thought it was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. Were you seething, never occurred to me. Were you seething on the inside thinking this, this isn't <laughs> yes. sophisticated? Like, this is, it's too easy. <laughs> I would never stoop that low. <laughs> is it not the case that your kids are just supposed to be besotted with you and everything that you do because of the biologically programmed to be? I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's, there's certainly there's sort of phases. There's sort of sine wave of, of favor that you go through. And then from zero to year one, they don't care if you're the father. Mm. For, after a while, they develop this sort of dog-like devotion to you when they're very, very small. <laughs> and then they sort of then they see you as a sort of figure of fun, or they're desperate to. You know, they can't wait for something, some kind of harm or embarrassment to befall you. That's really funny. <laughs> if I get pulled up in a passport queue for not having the right stuff, they think it's hilarious. <laughs> You know, yeah, or somebody, you know, if I lose my credit card or something like that, or you know, the machine eats my credit card, that's their domain. <laughs> so, the, the common theme is just misfortune, yeah, humiliation. <laughs> humiliation. I was thinking because I remember my dad walking when I was about 11, my dad walked into a plate glass wall once in a Hilton in Massachusetts somewhere, and none of us laughed, we didn't even crack a smile. And, you know, thinking back, it was quite funny. Yeah, or walking harrowing, around. depending on yeah. your perspective. Walking around, he's crawling around his hands and knees, having no idea what happened to him. My mother's saying, for Christ's sake, Bob, get up. 
and uh, and we just sat there. It was just, you know, a missed opportunity, maybe. And you don't think I should be trying to undermine the guy next door? <laughs> um, what, what what do you have in mind? I don't know, heckling, booing, the usual. <laughs> Well, you could do that from over, you know, from somewhere where he can't quite see you, the other side of the garden wall. Yes. Yeah, just go, yeah, less of this sort of thing. Yeah. More social significance. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you stop thinking, your mind begins to start... Loving Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Ports. Oh, touch it. Touch it. I was waiting for a letter to arrive the other day, which felt very retro. Oh. But the same day as I was waiting for this particular letter, I also was, was due to go and catch a train. So it was that thing where I'm constantly looking at the clock and it's not like the post comes early. Uh, it comes around midday, usually just before, but sometimes a little bit after. So I'm pacing up and down. I'm waiting for this letter. I'm worried that I'm going to have to catch a later train. So I decide to go out on the street and see if I can see the postman. Okay. Now, I'm unsure of the etiquette of this situation mm. because there's a postman allowed to give you a letter in the street. Oh, yeah, I don't know. You know, does yeah. it have you know, to, to fulfil his duty mm. does he have to put it through the actual letterbox so i go out into the street and i see the postman and I, I feel like it would be rude to just go up to him and say oh have you have you got a letter for me it needs to have a bit of small talk mm. to it as well and it's a hot day so i walk up to him and he sees me and he recognizes me cause, you know, same postman for the last couple of years and i say hello he says oh hello and then I say this is such an idiotic thing to say. It's a sunny day. He's wearing shorts. I mm. say, oh, do you prefer it on days like this? <laughs> what terrible small talk. I could have Bad. just said, oh, what a lovely day again. Yeah, yeah. But why did I say, oh, do you prefer it on days like this? How did he answer? Like, yes, of course I do, you idiot. Yeah, kind of. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I prefer it when it's pelting down with rain. Right. And what an idiotic thing <laughs> to say. And then I have to say, oh, while I've got you, I need to catch a train. Do you have a, a letter for me? And he looks through and yes, of course he does have a letter. Mm. And I say, and... Are you, are you allowed to give it to me now or do I have to go oh, back? And he said, no, I can give it to you now. That. I know you Why are. And, yeah, I know. It was just a bad interaction. Oh. So that was one bad interaction I, I had. Hmm. Do you prefer it on days? No. Like, I mean, what was that about, really? And then the, the other strange thing that has happened is the news agents across the street. There is a newish fella working there. And as I've said before, uh, I, I'm always friendly when I'm interacting with any anybody in the service industry, mm. but I, I really struggle to think of small talk. So, in other words, I, I've I've been been and bought things from this guy on a number of occasions over the past few weeks, and I've always been nice. And and um, but that's as far as it goes. There's been no, uh, for want of a better word, banter. Right. I go in the other day, and this guy's wife is working behind the counter. I take whatever I'm buying up, and she she doesn't know the price of it. So she says to the, the guy, she says, how much is this? 
he looks across, sees it from, sees it's me, and he goes, in a jokey way, mm. he goes, for this guy, always double the price. Oh. So I don't know where that's come from. Like, where has he got the idea that I'm a banter guy? <laughs> <laughs> so we've never had any banter. And then I can't think of a witty comeback. Oh. So I'm like, oh, you. You know, that's as, as, as much as I can manage. And then the, the, the even stranger thing is I've subsequently been back to the shop on a few occasions and thinking that we are now at the next level oh. where it requires banter. Yeah. And it's just dropped down to, you know, purely perfunctory service, minimal interaction, no smiling. I like to think that he's on a podcast somewhere saying what happened and then going, why did I say that? Why did I say that? Either that or he thought you were someone else. Blood Drift Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. If you get close enough, you can taste the freshness. And on to Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic it's the Knowledge College... What's the other one, Annabelle? Rural School. Rural School. This is where if you have found yourself recently or regularly in some kind of social situation and you've been uh, crippled because you don't know how to behave, we will tell you the correct behaviour no matter what the situation. Annabelle, do you want to give me the first one? Okay, this is from Karen who says, I'm working my way through all the podcasts at the moment, so I'm very sorry if this specific cry for help came up before not one of your better specifics that i really tried i'm invited to the birthday dinner of my partner's sister and his family really wants me to come as we haven't seen each other regularly enough during the last two years as i was busy finishing my bachelor's degree while working full time however i'm a vegetarian and the place they have booked is called beef and lobster and except the size there is only one vegetarian dish whose main ingredient is mushrooms i am not picky the two things i hate the most in the world are peanuts and mushrooms how should i deal with this situation should i just not go and make up an excuse even if they they made it clear they expect me to be there should i order something with meat tell them to change the restaurant Ever since I've gone vegetarian, people make a fuss about what I eat, so I try to avoid being the picky, demanding person at all costs. Or, and this is the least preferable option, should I just suck it up and eat the mushroom dish? I'm sure, Jeff, you can relate to this being a vegetarian Mm. yourself. So I I can relate to this very closely because I love mushrooms, which are often in veggie dishes, but I, I hate egg. Uh, Like I sort of um, have almost like a, a gag reflex if I eat anything eggy. Now, just to be annoying. If, for example, I'm eating a cupcake, I'm fine, and an egg has been involved in the making of a cupcake. It's specifically egginess. It's to do with the texture or something that makes me gag uh, a little bit. And then sometimes when I... So firstly, I've learned not to explain that. Although there is a term in catering called invisible egg. Oh, Which is it's for somebody like me, so you, oh. you can have invisible, invisible egg. Um... But I've learned not to make a fuss about that because then people assume you're vegan and it becomes more complicated, although vegan food in restaurants is getting better and better. Uh, Usually, so, I mean, I I might feign illness just because getting out of any kind of social engagement is, is my preferred choice at the best of times. But I'm wondering if you could ask at the restaurant and creating a fuss I know mm. makes me want to die but I wonder if you could say to them look could I just have a couple of sides that's exactly what I was thinking 
I don't think that's too much of a fuss. I think some people do just order sides. You could order two or three sides. Yeah, yeah, I've done it. Um, yeah, just vegetables with some. Uh, that's exactly what I do. Vegetables yeah. with some rice or potatoes. Yeah, and I, you it's know, may, maybe accept that you're not going to have the best of meals. But it is really uncomfortable being vegetarian and worrying about other people having to make a fuss of you. I remember when I was. So I became vegetarian when I was about fourteen or fifteen. I remember going out for any kind of family lunch with my grandma, R.I.P. And from the moment we would get there, she would be calling the waiter going over, excuse me, my granddaughter's vegetarian. Do you have anything on the menu? And like, I, the menu would have loads of things on it. And I would, I would just be thinking, just Would please. it have loads of things on it or would it have a thing with a little green V next to it? Well, be, those days didn't have Vs next to it. But there'd be, there'd be things I could eat. Oh, yeah, you're right. There probably weren't loads, but I just couldn't stand that yeah, kind of yeah, making yeah, a yeah, scene yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I think the answer there is to, is to go and order some sides. Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, we dealt, dealt with that one. Yeah. Quite easily, haven't we? Okay, let's see how we do with this one. This Mm. is from Sam. Yesterday, I parked my car in the car park of a budget supermarket. As usual, I was careful to position my car centrally in the space, evenly between the lines, and I was happy with my parking. Just as I was about to turn off the engine, a woman who was sitting in the car in the next space wound down her window and said that she would not be able to get out of her car. I was a bit taken aback, but dutifully proceeded to manoeuvre my vehicle so that it was right up against the far line. Now, I should say that this was a rather large woman, and this is how she found herself in that potential predicament. It made me really cross, but of course I didn't say anything. However, I've mentioned it to everyone I've seen since. Should it really be my problem if someone cannot get out of their car because they're too large, or am I really inhuman? Thanks, Sam. What do you think? Oh, I mean... We all know the answer to this. You move your car, obviously, and you do it. And then, you you know, you might moan about it to your friends. But I do understand that feeling of, of triumph, having you get in your car perfectly in a space and having to move it. Mm. I mean, that would take me upwards of another 10 minutes. So mm. I, I wouldn't be happy about it. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think you, to try and focus your resentment mm. on having to, you know, uh, move move your car and like having to undo the perfection of your parking. Mm-mm. Try and not focus your resentment on on the fact that she was a larger lady. Because also, I think sort of making it it her problem. You suggesting that if it's her problem, she has to deal with it. She has to sit in her car and wait for you to go into the shop and then come out again and then leave. I, I think Sam, we're all we're all seeing we're all seeing that you're very very much in the wrong, aren't we? I think so, but I feel you know I. Do kind of my automatic position with anybody who emails into the podcast and takes the time to listen to it is mm. like I feel like I should be on their side, mm. but I am finding it quite difficult. <laughs> you think we are? Yeah. I do have some sympathies with the parking issue, but that, but that's that's as far as my sympathies go. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Um, that, that one was quite easy to answer. I'm afraid you just move your car. It was, yeah. but um, if 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 you feel that us ganging up on you like this might affect <laughs> whether you listen to the podcast uh, anymore, then do email again and let us know that, and we'll completely reverse our positions and turn yeah. uh, turn on this lady. Fine, how yeah. does that sound? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. And if you could rate and review us, that would help us enormously. And we are massively grateful for all the support on Patreon too. You can contribute at patreon.com stroke adrift. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And thanks to Tim Dowling for the advice. 
You can read Tim's weekly column in The Guardian Saturday magazine. And he's also a musician. He, he plays the banjo and the flat guitar in a band called Police Dog Hogan. You can listen to them on Spotify or you can buy their albums at policedoghogan.com. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our idents Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey made our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. If you want to share a story with us and your fellow drifters or ask about a social situation where you need to know the rules, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. And finally, just one thing left to say. Dimitri, I can't understand you. I'll go and get Ricky. Adrift. Adrift. All right, podication time, and this comes from Ashley Ann Weiler, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. Hello. This is my first adrift podication, although I did have a few on the radio show. Hmm. Both times there was a confusion about whether Ashley was a girl's or a boy's name, and I am, in fact... Yeah. A girl. Me. Yeah. And by girl, I mean 30-something mother of two. I've stopped using the word girl. Or in, ch- even when it's actual, like, young girls? No, not, no. not it's young girls, but um, I've started saying young woman. Oh. Because basically somebody, the, the listeners to the other podcast, mm. they can be very right on. Ah, uh, yeah. And and somebody wrote in who was annoyed when I was telling some story about uh, one of the waiting staff in a local cafe that I kept saying the word girl. She says, mm. why isn't Jeff using young woman? I really And I really thought hard about this mm. and looked into my own soul. Yeah. And I thought... I'm actually in the right because I'll often talk about, I'll use girl interchangeably with guy or young lad. So there's, you know, a young lad who works in the cafe opposite. And I'll or, always say. Or boy, probably. Yeah, yeah. I say not not man. I'm kind of using it for any young person. Yeah, yeah. So I do think that my conscience is clear. Hmm. Uh, and I thought, screw you telling me what I should say. I'm fine. My intentions behind that are absolutely fine. And then I got to thinking more about it. And then I was thinking, well, you know, if somebody doesn't like it, and if it is reductive in these other circumstances, how much effort really is it for me to start saying young woman? Mm. So I've retrained myself, even though I think I was in the right. Well done. Thank Just you. don't go saying young lady. No. <laughs> Careful. Um, and by girl, Ashley continues, I mean 30-something mother of two. I'd like... I mean, Madonna says, come on, girls, do you believe in love? Because I've got something to say about it. It goes something a little bit like this. Like she's she's not talking to just under 16s, is she? I don't think we should base all our decisions power. on what, what Madonna says in Spice a song. Spice Girls, then. <laughs> yeah, Spice Girls. They weren't the Spice Young Women, were no, they? No, true. Advocating young woman power. <laughs> um, I started listening to you guys live on the radio show while I was at work many years ago, but lost track after leaving work to stay home with my kids for a few years. When I started commuting again, I discovered the radio podcast, then made the move to Adrift. One of my favourite things about the podcast is when you use a British word or phrase that I don't understand and I have to look it up. I thought you might enjoy a list of a few that I hadn't heard of. Number one, bulldog clip. Oh. This is a haircut that uh, is specific to a bulldog. (laughs) Number two, biro. It's a very small thong worn by a gentleman on a hot day. A-levels. That's obscene. You're going to have to Google it. Uh, jumper. That's what the 
police call somebody who uh, commits suicide by jumping off a tall object. Mm. They say, lads, we've got a jumper. Yeah. It's not a bit grim, that one, yes. so to bring it up. Yeah. Um, Dickie Tummy, former Prime Minister. Uh, Lord Sugar, that's when you don't feel very well. Because <laughs> 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 your hands get very clammy. Um, Ed Miliband. Uh, she says, I thought that was the Ed Miliband for a long uh-huh. time. I was very confused. Soggy Biscuits. Uh, I don't remember the context of this one, just that I was very surprised by what it meant. Mm. I mean, that's just when you dunk your biscuits in a cup of tea yes. to make them even more delicious. Mm. Um, so thanks for enlightening me and keep up the work. Well, yeah, do, um, I quite enjoyed that. I'll tell you who loves more than anything in life. Mm. Um Loves a list of the differences between Britain, Britain and America. Can I guess? Is, yeah. <laughs> is it Lynn Barron? It is Lynn Barron, Aww. yeah. I mean, she has no end of entertainment pointing out the slight differences in terminology that we use. We haven't had a publication from her for a while, have we? I think there might be one coming. Okay. There's one promise. Okay. There's one promise, so we'll okay. see. Um, anyway, I, I enjoyed that very much, Ashley, and um, glad that you've found us again. That's yeah. wonderful. And if you would like... A podication, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.